0: I know many of you still have that post December depression, the January blues, trying to process what happened a few weeks ago out in Arizona. But I promise you, there's always somebody out there feeling worse than you are. And I can prove it. I got somebody, and I'll tell you who it is coming up on Lock on Buckeyes. And I'll tell you why it impacts the college football playoff race. I'm your Lock on Buckeyes host, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for listening. We'll kind of process the too early look at some teams to keep an eye out for in the 2020 college football playoff. I'll tell you who I like and who I don't like and who I'm interested to see and how their roster shakes out for next year. We got that. Got a little bit of recruiting news to talk about. Ohio State lands a big commitment up front. If you were listening yesterday, I told you who it was going to be. We'll discuss that and also some other positive recruiting news for the 2020 class, I'll explain that coming up on Locked on Buckeyes as well. We are your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, hope you continue listening. I also hope you continue to spread the word. Tell anybody you know that loves the Buckeyes. Point them in the right direction. We're on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., or simply say, play the Lock on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. As always, you can catch me on Twitter. I'm very opinionated over there. I have a lot to say. I'm at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Lock on Buckeyes Singular. We'll be back with some college football playoff discussion for 2020. And also, the people that have it worse than the Buckeyes. I'll explain. There is one universal... Fundamental truth that I think we've all learned throughout the years, and that is that misery loves company. I know it's been a rough couple of weeks here for Ohio State fans. Buckeye Nation has been wallowing for the last 11, 12 days, whatever it's been, trying to get past that loss in the Fiesta Bowl. But I'm going to try to cheer you up because there is a fan base that has it so much worse right now. And that is Georgia. Oh, my goodness. I I, if I weren't feeling so bad for them, I'd be laughing with them. But they're not laughing. So then I would just feel rude. But they really are taking it on the chin. They've had a bad week. Yesterday alone, Jake Brom declares for the NFL draft. I know that that was not a shock, but there were some people like he can't really can he? Could he really declare for the NFL draft after the season he's had? Well, he certainly did. And to add insult to injury, the right tackle Cade Mays also declares for the NFL draft, which makes the fourth starting offensive lineman to leave Georgia in this offseason, starting with Andrew Thomas, of course, a guy that I really like as a Bengals fan. If not for the need and the availability of Joe Burrow for a quarterback for the Bengals, Andrew Thomas is a guy that could really, really help them a lot. But they're not going to be in the position to grab both of them. But regardless, going back to Georgia, though, yeah, they're they're really in trouble. DeAndre Swift is gone. Uh, Lawrence Cager is going to be out of the picture. They lost their starting tight end. Four starting offensive linemen. And now they're going to have to replace a quarterback, Jake Brom, as well. Maze is an interesting story and he partially severed one of his fingers a couple years ago on a recruiting trip to Georgia. You may remember this kid because he was looking at Ohio State. He picked Georgia over Clemson and Ohio State, reportedly. I'm not sure that Ohio State was second, not that it really matters who was second, but Ohio State, Clemson, both in the picture. So May severs a finger. He is suing the manufacturer of this chair, and the University of Georgia. Some people believe that this lawsuit is coming up to gain leverage for a possible waiver for when he transfers. But he is in the portal. He is going to be transferring, and so now it's open season. I saw one report that has him going to Tennessee with his brother. Some people have linked him with Clemson. Who knows what's going to happen with that? But the point is, Georgia, who already is going to be losing a lot in that front seven on the defensive side of the ball had a bad, bad offense this past year. And now they're going to be per- placing pretty much the entire offense, including from this really goes back. If you're an Ohio state fan, this is doubly exciting for Georgia because they screwed the pooch on this. So bad. I can go back in time to last season and understand why Kirby smart did not start Justin Fields. Look, he was a true freshman. Jake Fromm had just led them to the college football playoff championship game. He had a really good year throwing for almost, I, I think he was over 3,000 yards. He was a, a sensational freshman himself. What has happened since to From, I don't think is all his fault. I think the offensive scheme and philosophy can be blamed. The, the offensive coaching staff has done a garbage job with that team. And also they lost a lot of talented wide receiver, receivers on that roster they really did not have anybody that was getting open separation for most of the year. So uh, look, Jake Brom. I don't think is throwing guys open by any means, but he also has to have receivers that are getting open and he just did not have that. But where Georgia went wrong was not with starting Jake Brom. it was the way they were using Justin Fields. If they took Justin Fields seriously and brought him in to get, a few plays here, a few plays there, like they did, but actually used him as a serious quarterback option, a passing option. Then I don't think Justin Fields leaves, and who knows? With all the off-field stuff, there was other things. There were other things that played in that transfer. We all know, and I don't know what exactly prompted him to leave. But I, but I also feel like football played a role. I don't know that it was the only thing. I don't even know if that was a primary thing, but I do know this. Georgia really screwed up. If they bring him in as a run pass threat instead of just basically some kind of uh, glorified runner, because that's all he was, he was a wildcat quarterback. That's what they used him as. If they brought him in with a guy, as a guy with a threat to throw the ball, I think he looks at that situation so much differently, and he's willing to be patient knowing that Jake Fromm may be out of the picture in one more year. And that's what happened. He was out of the picture after this year. And he would have had a chance to win the job this year because with that offense struggling, you you throw him in the mix. He's got a chance to beat out Fromm and breed some life into that offense that just didn't have it. So Georgia is a train wreck right now. Look, they're talented. They're one of the most talented football rosters in the country. I don't think they're going to fall flat off the face of the football earth. Uh, But, uh, and they're certainly in, look, they're in the picture for Jamie Newman, a grad transfer Wake Forest. They're going to be looking for a grad transfer at quarterback somewhere, whether it's Newman or somewhere else. I don't think they're going to be terrible this year. But they have to replace so much on offense where they weren't good to begin with. You have to look at Kirby Smart now and say, is is this guy, is is he really legit? Is he the guy to lead Georgia? Because two years ago, there was so much momentum. And they had all these four and five stars on the roster. And they still have a lot of four and five stars. But I'm looking at this program now and, and I'm scratching my head. There is a culture problem there, and, and I know there's always been the, the seedy underbelly, the accusations with what's going on there, how they became so rich in talent overnight. Look, Kirby Smart, <laughs> I'm not going to accuse them of wrongdoing, okay? I'm not going to go that far, but I will say this. There's, there's not a lot of people that believe Kirby Smart is playing by the rules. They don't believe he's a stand-up citizen. And whether they're cheating or not, uh, there is certainly always going to be that shadow hanging over them. They just recently announced recruiting violations, and you can all point and laugh and and assume that there's more going on than that. But whether there is or not, that's going to be a shadow that lurks. But they're not utilizing their talent. However they're getting it, offensively, they are wasting a lot of really skilled players. It was really a shame to watch them this year because even though they had the issues with the receiving core, they had a really good offensive line, a really good running game, and they squandered that because they were at times afraid to throw the ball, incapable of throwing the ball, not able to do it consistently. It was just really ugly to watch. So I don't see Georgia being a playoff contender next year. They're, they're still going to be talented but they're going to be young and I'm not going to see Uh, George Pickens came on strong at the, in that very last game against Baylor. He played really well, but who's going to be throwing the ball and do they have any other weapons? I'm just not seeing it right now. I'm interested in Alabama, Ohio state at the end of the day. I think Ohio state and Clemson are the two teams that I look at on paper going into next year. I think you have a really good feeling if all goes as planned are more than likely going to be college football playoff contenders or actually in the playoff when all is said and done. Of course, Clemson has all that offensive talent uh, coming back. or not, I shouldn't say all of it because Higgins and Ross are probably gone, but they still have Trevor Lawrence. That's a big deal. Defensively, I think they're going to be good again. Probably a little more talented on the defensive side of the ball next year, even though that they lose Isaiah Simmons. I think the bulk of the defense is probably going to be a little bit better because they weren't great up front this year, but but they were young. And so that's going to help them rely a little more on personnel and less on scheme. But Clemson, Ohio State, I think you can pencil in. Of course, don't put anybody in ink at this time of year. It's January 9th, so don't put anybody in ink. But you can pencil those two teams in. Alabama intrigues me, though. I know everybody is is quick to put Bryce Young in at quarterback. I think Mac Jones is going to be the starting quarterback next year. I don't think they're going to ride a true freshman if they don't need to. That's not really Nick Saban's cup of tea. Tua didn't get in there until at the end of his freshman year. They're not going to put, him, put in Bryce Young over Mac Jones when Mac Jones has three starts under his belt, has a whole season to learn behind Tua. And I was frankly impressed with Matt Jones. I thought he played pretty well outside of some mistakes that he made against Auburn, a few mistakes he made in the first half against Michigan. I thought he did a pretty good job. Alabama, though, is really tough to pen for next year because they lose Jerry Judy and Ruggs at wide receiver. Now, the good news for them, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle are both back. So you go from uh, a historically good wide receiver and in- wide receiving core to just a really good wide receiving core. You got Mac Jones at quarterback with two a gun. Uh, they did get some good news with Alex Leatherwood returning Dylan Moses at linebacker on the other side of the ball. That's big. They're still waiting on the Najee Harris decision. They think he's going pro, but they're not sure. So I, I think with Alabama on the offensive side of the ball, they're still in good shape. They're still a really good offense, not a great, historically good offense like they had this past season or the past couple years, but they're good enough. The problem for Alabama is you don't know how good they are because even though Dylan Moses is back, they were really, really thin up front in the front seven, and they lose a lot of guys to begin with. They already weren't very deep, and they weren't as good as Alabama has been in the past, and they lose some of those playmakers up front. So I just don't know where Alabama fits in the national scheme next year. They're certainly talented. They've got as many four and five stars as almost anybody. It's not that they can't be a playoff team, but there are a lot of question marks on, the, on that defense. And with an offense, it's still going to be great, but not good as, as, they, as they've been in the past. So Alabama's a question mark. What will happen with LSU? They've got most of those receivers back, depending on what Justin Jefferson does. But Joe Burrow, a generational quarterback this year, is not going to be back. I think LSU's offense is going to take a big step back, even though they're still going to have some talent at wide receiver. Because I just don't think, as good as Joe Brady did, I think that was so, that offense was so heavily reliant on what Joe Burrow did. I can't see them having that kind of success again. Now, if the defense gets back to being an LSU defense next year, hey, maybe they can make it back to the playoff. But, you know, they're another question mark. What's going to happen with Florida? I know they're a trendy pick. Uh, Auburn, can you know? Can Bo Nix take another step in his development? They're an interesting pick. Big Ten, who can challenge Ohio State? Wisconsin is losing its three best playmakers to the NFL draft: Seepus and Jonathan Taylor. And then they just had a receiver with one of their other receivers, so uh, a transfer with one of their other receivers. I'm sorry, um, Penn State, Michigan, so many wide open teams out there. Oregon. Losing most of their offense, they're going to be really good on the defensive side of the ball. But they have got to replace four guys up front. They got to replace Justin Herbert at quarterback. That'll be an interesting game early in the season between Ohio State and Oregon out there in Eugene. Man, there's still so much I'm, I'm eager to say, eager to see play out over the next couple of months. Personnel will obviously kind of take care of itself uh, as we get a, a little bit closer to the NFL draft. But there you have it. I think Ohio State and Clemson are really in good shape when I'm looking at this. And the summary here, the takeaway, is that I know a lot of people are frustrated, but Sean Wade returning, most of that offensive line returning, that really kind of gives you some optimism going into next year because when you look, there are so many uncertain situations, unknowns with a lot of these teams. The Alabamas of the world, the Georgias, a lot of the SEC is really up for grabs next year. So you got to feel a little bit better. Ohio State, I think, is a top two team on paper going into next year. But again, it's January 9th. We're just trying to latch on to something to talk about right now. So uh, coming up next, some recruiting news. Ohio State gets a commitment and maybe trending towards another recruit. I'll explain in a second. We talk so much, or at least I, I know I do, about The skill talent, the skill positions, and all the guys that Ohio State has coming in the next several classes. It it really is ridiculous. It's an embarrassment of riches. The quarterbacks, the receivers, uh, the running backs potentially. I know know that they're not landing the five-star guys that that everybody would like, but it's still a, a fair amount of talent on that running back roster the next couple of years. But ultimately, it starts up front, and sometimes you could argue it ends up front, too. You've got to have quarterback and receivers and playmakers, but you've also got to have the offensive line. And Ohio State, they've got the Harry Millers, the Paris Johnsons, the Luke Whiplers, Ben Christman, one of the top tackles in the 2021 class, and now Ohio State has added the top guard in the country in the 2021 class, Donovan Jackson, a 6'4", 300-pounder from Bel Air, Texas. Ohio State is really starting to rack up the talent they're loading up. It is really coming together. I mentioned yesterday on the show with the commitment of Jalen Johnson that it was starting to look like the the pieces were coming together on the defensive side of the ball, in the secondary, up front. Of course, you've always got Larry Johnson, at least for the foreseeable future. We don't know how long it'll be until he calls it quits. He's not going to coach until he's 90, I don't think. But for however long he's at Ohio State, it's going to be a formidable front four for for the Buckeyes, and the linebackers are really shaping up as well. So they're adding positions piece by piece, more talent, more weapons. you really see where things are evolving. And I mentioned the running back. That's really the only thing that maybe has left a little bit to be desired here recently, or one of the few things I know that. Depth at the corner position is a little iffy. Not so much talent, but just the depth. They could use a few more good bodies. We'll see what happens with Cam Martinez. He's still in play for Ohio State. Could be a corner. Could be a wide receiver. They're not really sure on that. But some other good news. With the addition of Donovan Jackson, another piece on that offensive line that you can project in a couple of years, there is now more hope for Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Dalton, Georgia. Of course, he is still committed to Georgia Tech, technically. And as crazy as it sounds, he may actually continue to stay committed to Georgia Tech. We'll wait and see on that. But one of the other obstacles that Ohio State had to get around was LSU sniffing around with Jameer Gibbs. They were planning on having him on campus here later this month. Ohio State will be having him on campus on the 17th. Well, LSU now apparently will not be getting a visit from Jameer Gibbs. You can speculate that has something to do with one of the top running backs in the country, Zachary Evans, who is getting out of his letter of intent from Georgia, which he signed back in December. Now, maybe he ends up at LSU. Maybe he ends up at Texas A&M. Who knows? But you would have to think that they have a really good shot at Evans for that visit to not be materializing. So that puts Ohio State in a great position. I said Last week, a couple days ago, for whatever reason, this isn't necessarily inside information. It's just a gut feeling. I think Ohio State has a good shot at Jameer Gibbs. I really do. I just think there's something there. I'm not ruling out Georgia Tech. I know Chad Simmons, recruiting analyst on the Rivals Network, also thinks that Florida has a shot for him. I think for whatever reason, I'm just a gut feeling only. That's all it is. I just have a feeling he winds up at Ohio State. And That would be really big for Ohio State because he's not necessarily the five-star, can't-miss guy. He's not going to tote the rock 25 times a game. That's just not his style. But he's a really big-time playmaker, a home run hitter, and he has a different element of the run game that Ohio State is missing off the current roster. You've got the big-time wear-you-down guy in Master Teague. I think you've got the all-purpose back that I think is going to be a 1,000-yard rusher in the future in Marcus Crowley, and then, of course, adding a Jameer Gibbs. That gives you a different element to the run game. So that's really all they're missing. We'll see what happens with Gibbs. But this news of him not visiting LSU, while it doesn't completely eliminate the Tigers from the race, it's definitely big news for the Buckeyes and their chances to land a a guy that I think they really need. I have a lot of confidence in those running backs I mentioned. Steele Chambers is another guy. Mayan Williams, of course, who signed with the Buckeyes. I have confidence that those guys are going to be good backs. But Gibbs just gives them something that they don't have on the roster, and that's why I think he's a really important recruit going forward. So more good news for the Buckeyes, another big-time commitment up front. Possibly good news coming with the Gibbs situation, as this is certainly a positive step in the right direction. Who knows how that's going to finish, but that gets them closer in the Gibbs race. So we'll follow that, of course, and any other recruiting story that pops up that's worth mentioning the rest of the month as we head towards the second signing day coming up in early February. We'll keep our eyes out on that. That's going to do it for Lock On, Buckeyes. Thanks for listening again, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Please continue to spread the word. Tell friends and family members, Rate and and give us some feedback, too, if you like what you hear. Or if you don't, if there's something you would like to hear that we don't do on Locked on Buckeyes, please let me know. But make sure you find us on all of your favorite platforms. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc. iHeartRadio, can't leave that one out. That's a big one. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show at Locked on Buckeye. You can email me any advertising or marketing uh, questions uh, if you're interested in sponsoring us, hit me up at lockonbuckeyes at gmail.com. That's going to do it for me. Have a great day, everybody.